Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel this weekend, we hear some phrases that sound very familiar. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Learn from the lilies of the field that grow. They do not work or spin. Seek first the kingdom. Now, these are all popular phrases that we've heard many times. In fact, we may use them in the course of our daily lives. Now, we have to understand the context in which this weekend's gospel is set in. We are reading from Matthew's gospel, chapter 6. And over the past several weeks, we've been reading from Matthew, either chapter 5 or chapter 6. Now, why is this important? Because at the very beginning of chapter 5, Jesus climbs the mountain with all of his disciples and he sits down. There are maybe hundreds or thousands of people sitting down and listening to Jesus preach a homily. We refer to it as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' vision of Christianity. It's what Christianity looks like. It's how we are to think, move, breathe, and act as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ. You could say Jesus is laying out the blueprint for all of Christianity, for what it means for us, so that people can learn it and accept it and live it out. So we are very fortunate over the past several weeks to be able to be with Jesus. This weekend, we're still in chapter 6. Jesus is still on that mountaintop. We're right there with him absorbing all of his teaching. Now, the gospel for this weekend really cuts to the very heart of our faith. Jesus is very direct. He's not at all ambiguous in his teaching. He leaves no doubt. There's no uncertainty in his teaching. Remember last week, Jesus teaches us who we should love. We should even love our own enemies. Remember what he taught us? If someone strikes you on the right cheek, offer the left as well. If somebody compels you into service for one mile, offer them two miles. Well, this week, Jesus, you could say, turns it up a notch. Now he tells us at the very heart of the Christian life is making God the center of our life. Our Lord is to whom our life should be ordered to. And yet Jesus also adds that caveat that we have free will and we can choose to exercise that free will. We can either choose to make Jesus the Lord of our life or something or someone else. Now, when you hear the gospel for this weekend, you see, well, it seems pretty easy. You know, the Christianity, the spiritual life, it seems pretty easy. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. What you eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. 
Well, it sounds like all we have to do is surrender ourselves to God and God will take care of everything in our life. Pretty easy, right? But notice what he says next in the next verse. Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Well, I don't know about you, but every morning I look out my window and I see these tiny little birds always scavenging for food. And if they don't find it in my backyard, they go to my neighbor's backyard. And if they don't find it there, they go somewhere else. And if they can't find it, they die. So what does this really mean? Well, Aristotle once said, If you have a stick that is bent, the only way to right that stick is to bend it completely in the other way, the other direction. Well, we've all seen a bent stick, a bent reed. We know that you have to bend it all the way the other way in order for that stick to be right again, to be straight. See, I think that's exactly what Jesus is doing. Remember, Jesus has come into a world that has fallen because of sin. And now he sits on this mountain and he's teaching the people his vision of Christianity. But he's teaching a people that he knows are, you could say, spiritually bent over because of sin in this world. Sin has tainted them. So what does he have to do? He's got to exaggerate his teaching. He's got to bend them back the other way in order for them to be made right, to be made straight, so that they now have a right relationship with God, so that the world and its people now have righteousness, are basically created the way God intended them to be from the very beginning of creation, before the fall with Adam and Eve. And see, if we understand that, then this gospel makes perfect sense. Jesus is trying to help us see the spiritual life in a different way. Now, notice what he says. No one can serve two masters. Now, this is not the relationship that God wants with us. We're the slaves and God is the master. No, not at all. Instead, what God wants to restore is friendship. Friendship that was lost with the fall from grace with Adam and Eve. Go back to Genesis. Before the fall, it said that God walked in easy fellowship with Adam and Eve in the cool evening of the garden. That's exactly the type of relationship that God desires from us. And it can be accomplished through Jesus' death and resurrection, but also by us applying Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, applying what Jesus is teaching us about Christianity in these past weeks, in chapters 5 and 6 of Matthew's Gospel. What is Jesus really getting at? Well, some tough questions we have to ask ourselves. What is the ultimate good in our life? Is our life truly centered around God? Who really is the master of our life? I guess you could turn that question around and say, to whom or to what are we enslaved to? Now, God simply wants us to make Jesus Christ, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the center of our lives. Now, when he says that, he doesn't mean that we all have to abandon our families and our careers and our jobs and run off to monasteries and live there forever. No, not at all. Instead, when we make God the center of our life, then everything else in our life, our job, our career, our family, our friends, our neighbors, all of our hobbies, 
leisure, whatever we do, play baseball, golf, jog, bike, all those things fall into place around Christ. All those things are in harmony with Jesus at the center of our life. They don't compete with him at all. Now, Jesus is also telling us the spiritual life, yes, sometimes can be easy, but sometimes it can be challenging. For example, our culture. Our culture really doesn't help us to place God at the center of our life. Instead, there are many aspects of our culture that compete with God, that want to be the center of our life. I'll give you a great example of this. You go to any metropolitan city, say, for example, Chicago. I lived in Chicago for five years, therefore I have the right to pick on it. In Chicago, the downtown area of Chicago, try and find the cathedral of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Now, Holy Name Cathedral is a large building, but it's dwarfed by many other buildings in downtown Chicago. Holy Name Cathedral is the epicenter of the Archdiocese of Chicago, probably one of the biggest archdioceses in this entire country. And yet, it's probably one of the smallest buildings in the entire area of downtown Chicago. It's dwarfed by many other buildings. Now realize, Holy Name Cathedral is a pretty big-sized building. It can seat 1,200 people or more. But it's dwarfed by many other skyscrapers. In fact, the three largest or tallest buildings in downtown Chicago are three insurance buildings. You could say symbols of what our culture really values, power, money, prestige. Another way to think about this gospel and Jesus' message, life. Life always is a gift from God, isn't it? As I've always said, no one is here in this world by mistake. There is nobody here in this world by accident. We all have a definitive purpose in life. The first purpose, to know God's love for each and every one of us. The first reading gets at that. God tells Isaiah just how powerful his love is for each and every one of us. God says to Isaiah, If a mother ever forsakes her child, I will never forsake you. Now realize that. You know, a mother, you know, a loving parent forsaking or forgetting a child, it's unfathomable for us. You know, it's unconscionable. But nonetheless, God says, if that ever does happen, if a parent ever forgets their child, I will never forget or forsake you. Essentially, God is telling us his love for us is far greater than the love that a parent has for a child. St. Thomas Aquinas once said, God loved us into being. It's a powerful statement, isn't it? God loved us into existence. Before we were ever born or ever even were created, God knew us and he loved us so much, he was compelled to create us. Well, if we truly believe that, then our first and natural inclination is to make that source of love the center of our life, which is our Lord and God. And when we do that, our life is then properly ordered to God. Then everything else in our life falls into harmony with God. See, that's what Jesus means when he says, seek first the kingdom. He means just that. Now, I'm not naive to know that many of us hearing this message have worries and anxieties, this bad economy, we worry about our job, making tuition payments for our children. Maybe we have worries about strained relationships at home or with friends. Maybe we worry about poor health. 
But if we make God the center of our life, then a lot of those worries are tempered ever so slightly. Then a lot of those worries or anxieties seem to ease ever so slightly because now God is at the center of our life, giving us comfort. What's the temptation? Mammon. Now, mammon isn't always money. It comes in different forms. Money, honor, power, prestige, notoriety. If we make those things the center of our life, God is now pushed off in the periphery. And guess what? Those things will dictate our lives. Better yet, we won't know how to use those gifts properly. Great example of this. Celebrities, athletes. It seems they have it all. And yet what happens? It leads to self-destructive lifestyles. You know, those things, power, money, fame, fortune, you know, they don't know how to deal with them. And those things begin to dictate or run their lives such that they fall into these self-destructive behaviors and lifestyles. Some examples, Alex Rodriguez, Ryan Braun, Lance Armstrong. You know, these were just a few figures. It appeared they had it all. Cars, houses, money, honor, power. And yet, they're fallen heroes. Well, how do we avoid this? Seek first the kingdom, as Jesus says. If we truly believe that we are loved into existence by God, then make the source of that love the center of your life, which is God and God alone. See, this is a great way for us to prepare for Lent. This coming Wednesday, we celebrate Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. What better way for us to begin Lent than to say to Jesus Christ, you truly are the Lord of my life. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.